Hi, and welcome back to Your School is Effing You, a podcast about all the ways that the modern institution of education is failing students, teachers, and democracy. My name is Timothy Budd. I'm a teacher of philosophy and humanities in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada. Today I have a special treat. It's not going to be only my voice for the entirety of this episode. I'm presenting today my very first interview. I'm calling the interview series Hearing Voices. Stacy Oliver, who teaches English at A.B. Lucas Secondary School in London, Ontario, here in Canada, has graciously agreed to give me some of her time to talk about her own move towards ungrading. Stacy cut ties with the traditional grading system during the pandemic after Ontario suspended final exams. Like many teachers, she saw this move as an opportunity to do better. When the local and national media presented her story, I reached out. In my own journey towards ungrading, I felt quite alone, and when I reached out, she gave me words of encouragement. I want to thank her for spending time with me, but now I'll let her tell her own story. Oliver, thank you for uh, uh, agreeing to talk to me. Welcome to Your School is Effing You. You are my first ever guest, my first ever interview. Now that I've got that and I can use that wherever in the uh, uh, the podcast, we can we can just uh, uh, go with normal, uh, normal everyday talk. How are you? Are you starting school on uh, uh, next week? No, we start the uh, 5th. The 5th. Okay, so you have, you've got a little bit of a reprieve. We're starting on Monday. Uh, uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, I'm excited to get back to work, but I always hate that last week before when I feel like I'm not doing anything. I'm not really working on my summer research. I'm not really teaching. So mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm in a bit of limbo, but it's okay. I'm excited to get back. I'm, I'm very excited to get back. Good. Yeah, uh, I am as well. I always start, um, I always start panicking as soon as uh, the long weekend in August uh, ticks by that I need to start, you know, really getting ready. Um, I find that to do the creative stuff has to be done for me in the summer. I just can't do it during the school year. So, okay. and I can't seem to leave things alone. So I always panic that I have, I'm not going to be ready. Sure. I, uh, I always, uh, for me, the summer is, is more creative reading. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. still academic reading, but it's just sort of filling my mind with new things. So I don't feel dusty and old when the semester starts. Yes. I, I feel like I've, I've, I've accomplished that this summer, but uh, we will see. Um, <laughs> I know you have a lunch and I have a meeting at 11, so maybe I'll, I'll jump right in with some, uh, yeah. I guess, with some introduction and then some questions, if that's all right with you. Sure. Uh, and for me, the introduction is just sort of a, a sense of how you and I connected, because I think I started my, my ungrading process a year after you did. And uh, the first semester of last year, so we're talking um, uh, 22-23 academic year, after the first semester, I was very happy. Things were going very well, uh, but I was also very much on my own. And 
sometime around January or February is when I saw uh, an article, and I don't remember how it came into my feed, uh, but I saw an article uh, uh, about you and about your um, your ungrading process at AB Lucas Secondary. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I was trying to remember which article it was. I have a I have a, a Globe and Mail here. I have a Toronto Star. I have a Google, and all of them from slightly different times. One's June, one's July, and one's September, I think. Right. That those are publication dates. Who knows uh, when the actual uh, uh, writing was done? But in any case, I reached out to you because it was nice to know that I wasn't uh, completely on my own and that there was somebody I could talk to who wasn't, let's say, going to rat me out, uh, uh, <laughs> if, if that's the right way of putting it. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, and that's how we you very, very uh, uh, graciously and generously wrote me back uh, to encourage me. And I do, I do appreciate that. Um, that's sort of in the middle of my journey, but you're, you started a year earlier. So let me see if I've got the timeline right. The Ontario schools uh, got rid of final exams in the, what would that be, the 2021 academic year? Uh, yes, it would. I've lost all sense of time. So, yeah, I think that, that was the school year. Yeah. So then in the 21-22 year, you decided to keep going with this. Yes. So, um, yeah, I started, I started the ungrading in second semester of so a year and a half ago now whenever Mm -hmm. that would be (laughs) i'm so bad with dates um and yeah so so we took away that's when we were doing the distance teaching and the and the online and the hybrid and all of those pivoting things that we were doing for two years um so that's when yeah they took away the exams and took away um essentially it was do no harm policy that was instituted here um and i think that sort of set the ball rolling (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, say that again. I, I I like that term for basic standard policy: do no harm. It should always just be do no harm. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no problem. So um, I think that's when uh, the ball started rolling for me in terms of the really the action part of the ungrading. Um, I had been I had fallen down the rabbit hole. Um, I think the prior school year, doing the doing the reading and doing the thinking and think and coming across it, going ooh. Uh, this is something that really, that really interests me and spoke to me. Um, and then the action part, as I just said, started the the year, the year later. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the reading that started you off? Where did you start? So I have been trying to think about this as I've had lots of um, ungrading conversations over the last year because I had no idea that this that I would be having so many conversations with so many people about ungrading. I, I honestly was a bit and still am a bit of the imposter syndrome um, with all of it. And so I, I honestly, I don't really know even how I came across it. It would have been for sure um, on Twitter, but I don't know. I don't know that moment that grabbed my attention. Um but I quickly gravitated towards um, Twitter accounts that were that oh. were focused on ungrading, and so I follow uh, exclusively um, people who are involved in progressive education, and in particular with with ungrading. So people like Susan D. Bloom, um, her her book, The Ungrading, um, her book with the 15 contributors. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with it. That sort of has been my go-to for, um, the last year and a half. And I just go 
use it constantly and, and constantly go back to the different the different stories of the the different models that ed- educators use. Alfie Cohn, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then I would say in the last, I would say in the last year now that I'm starting to maybe solidify my my practice a little bit for more than five minutes at a time. Um, now I've been really looking into the history um, and philosophy of grades a lot more. So just doing a lot of research and, and trying to really um, get that even larger perspective than mm-hmm. the microcosm that I've got going on in my classroom. Sure, sure, sure. So then tell me a bit about well, there are two things I want to ask about right now. Like, what what is your current practice? If you had to describe, if you had to describe the practice of ungrading the classroom, the course of the semester, how would you describe it? In terms of how how I do it, or yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. so um, yeah, so what we do is. So the whole thing is focused on two things, one, learner autonomy, and two, um, feedback. So it's a feedback-focused environment where I then try to um, give the kids kids autonomy over their learning. So it the basic structure is that um, we, we try and focus on, um, you know, certain – okay, so we have course goals, regardless of the course that I teach – we have four broad course goals, which didn't start with my ungrading that way, uh, but now it has been. I was very specific a year and a half ago. I I made my kids um, curriculum experts. We were pulling out. They literally had the curriculum in front of them, and I made them um, you know, talk to me about what curriculum expectations they were meeting with this specific thing. And it was a complete disaster um, because my whole purpose in ungrading was to foster the joy in learning and that um very quickly did the exact opposite of what i had intended to do so in the revamp i think i finally um three iterations later we've hit on some very broad goals so we are um, trying to become better readers writers communicators and learners by the end of the semester and so um, when i teach my ninth graders we do that in a way that's more structured um, because they're still learning uh, the skills, um, learning learning how to learn, uh, fostering the creativity. So I scaffold things uh, more for them. I direct I direct them a little bit more, but then differentiate um, and give them options because they are they they need those anchors um, there to feel safe. With my senior students, um, I'm teaching two enriched classes, grade 11 and grade 12. And with them, it's a, it's a different um, atmosphere because those are learners who are traditionally um, interested, historically interested, um, and an easier sell in terms, not, not, not to the ungrading, but to the creativity aspect of it um, because they are interested in expressing themselves. So what I do with them is I will um, give them this, a destination. I call it the destination. We use the analogy of a, of a, you know, a road trip. Mm-hmm. And so I'll say this, you know, this is where I need you to get to. Um, but how you, how they get there is completely up to them. And so, for example, we focus a lot on um, I'm trying to get students to write with voice to get away from the formulaic thing that I've taught for 
I don't know how many years and, you know, and so um, I I want them to write with voice and, or communicate with voice. And so we focus on personal responses a lot to, to literature or to a discussion that we're having or an idea. And so I'll have students who will write paragraphs. I'll have students who create poems. I had a student who wrote a song, Um, you know, so all sorts of different modes for them to be able to communicate, um, their thoughts. So that's how it works. Um, and then students have to track their learning throughout the, um, throughout the semester. And so they are, um, giving examples of the invisible learning that happens. So we have the product base, which, you know, we all know about that. But what they also have is they have to track the invisible learning that happens in the classroom all the time, which is the most important part because it's actually the learning part of it. And so they'll, they have a, what we call a tracker where they are um, giving examples of how they are, for example, becoming a better communicator in class. And so they'll talk about how they um, participated in a group discussion or added on to a classmate's point to show that they, their listening skills. Um, And so they do that. And then in conjunction with that, we have a portfolio um, twice a semester, once at midterm and once at final, where students showcase uh, what they believe to be their, um, the work that they're most proud of and that represents their learning in the best way. And then the metacognitive pieces, they have to, they have to, um, they have to explain um, the why. Uh, the why is big in in our classroom, and then the final thing that happens um, twice a semester, in, along with the portfolio, is that um, we have conferences. And so the conferences, in the first iteration, were very methodical and focused on grades in an ungrading classroom, um, where they would pitch their grade that they thought that they had earned. Um, because we are constrained, I have to report grades twice: once at midterm, once at at um, the final. And so they would propose the grade that they um, believe that they had earned, and then they would tell me why. Um, But I realized two things after the first semester. One was that it was essentially a repeat of their portfolio. Um, And so it was was redundant. But secondly, the last time I saw students, um, I was talking about grades in an ungrading classroom. So we don't do that anymore. We do still have, um, we still, we still have the conferences, but we focus on um, what they're proud of, what they were most excited about the, the learning process. Um, sure. 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 So, so I think that's, does that cover, did that answer the question? It answers the question in, a, in, in a, a fairly thoroughly and we could, obviously we could dig into, to more of those, but I have other questions as well. Um, uh, the uh, because the whole thing sounds like it's metacognitive from beginning to end. It sounds like it's 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 conceived that way. It really um, is. To to what degree do you do you discuss sort of criteria of assessment? I, I feel like you're saying that, uh, but not necessarily in those terms. You 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 have them think about criteria of assessment along the way. How is it that I'm going to evaluate my progress, my process, my learning, my understanding, my change over time? Mm-hmm. So this is a part that I'm a, I'm a little bit bitter about because I have to take uh, the answer. The answer is yes, um, but I'm bitter about it because I have to take time out of the class um, at the beginning of the semester in order to um, set the conditions for them to be able to um, pitch that grade because otherwise it's just sending them 
you know, uh, to the bullseye blindfolded um, after turning them around 10 times. And so we do talk about, um, you know, I try, I try to, I try to minimize it as much as possible, but I would be doing a disservice because we have to report the grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so we do spend about a week. Um, the first time I did it, it was almost a month. Um, now it's about a week. I, I'm much better at it now where we look, um, I, I open the discussion on a more philosophical, um, discussion about, um, what grades mean, um, what, the purpose of them are. But before that, I try and link it to the idea of the world in which they live so that we have a discussion about what are the, what are, what do they need in order to be successful when we define what success means to them or could mean. Can I pause you for a second? You're not bitter about this conversation, are you? Because I've found that students love that conversation. No, I'm bitter about the fact that I have to talk about numbers with okay. um, I, with students and teach them how to assess I themselves. Just that out altogether. I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, because it it takes up time where we could be exploring um, and having them be creative and you know doing all those things that they they get to love to do, um, mm. which they don't in the beginning. So, so yes, so we do that. Um, and then I, and then I introduce the idea of grades and how, you know, I do a lot of quoting of Alfie Cohn, um, with the effect of grades and what they measure and what they don't measure. Um, we talk about, you know, I try to do it really inductively with them and get them to come to telling me about, well, it's the feedback, it's what you get. And they always conflate feedback, um, as being part of a number and mm-hmm. so I spend a whole lot of time trying to um, get them to understand that those are two separate things. And so we isolate the number. Um, and then I talked to them about the 2010 IBM study that where they did the, um, it's a, it was a pretty wide, wide ranging um, interviews with CEOs asking, you know, what are the, what are the, what are you looking for in today's, um, in today's leaders and the number one thing was creativity, and that hasn't changed a whole lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was, it's an older study now. And so then that leads into the conversation about what grades do in terms of inhibiting um, creativity and collaboration, and you know, the it fosters competitive and the all all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then I drop and then I drop the and so we're not going to um, okay. we're not going to grade in here. What percentage of them are terrified when you say that versus excited? So it's really, so it's really interesting because um, as a fellow educator, you know that kids are often what's going on inside their heads is not articulated out of their mouths. And so um, it's, it's really interesting. There's a variety of things Um, for the first time this past semester in my grade 12 enriched class, I had students who were, openly excited like expressing Mm -hmm. we they were so um they were just so accepting of it they were excited about it but i think that word is starting to get out in my school that my classes are ungrading so it's not ungraded sorry um so i don't think it's as big as of a shock for some of them but i would say the majority of students are very fearful um, I have a number of students who are very angry, um, in the beginning. 
Um, and rightfully so with all of these things, because I am essentially pulling out the only safety net that they've ever had and the carrot that their entire educational career and future rests upon. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I first did it a year and a half ago, it was, um, in a grade 12 class second semester in their final year of high school. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, I think. I think that that's a natural response. And if that weren't the case, I think the anomaly were my students this semester who were excited about it right from the, right from the beginning. Sure. They've had this process pounded into them for, for years now. Sure. Of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me ask about um, your, your administration. Um, um, Did you work with them going into this? Did you just, if I, if I may ask did you just rip off the bandaid? Uh, uh, and what was the result afterwards in terms of their um, uh, uh, their reaction? So uh, I'm a rip off the bandaid sort of gal. Um, so I just did that. Um, I had at the time um, a very very uh, progressive principal who we had lots of you know A and E is kind of my jam even before ungrading, before I knew it existed. Um, And so we would have lots of discussions um, about assessment evaluation through the years. And um, so when they, you know, when this all kind of exploded a little bit with the press and the rest of it, which I was not expecting, um, my my principal was right there with me. He was a thousand percent on board. And in fact, um, he he, if he had his choice, would have a completely ungraded school. Um, that would be his dream, he he said to me. Um, in terms of our board, also, everybody was very, very, very supportive um, because, I mean, it's researched. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, people just making this up for fun. And um, we can see the value in it, but we can also you know, look at the research to see how what we're doing in terms of upgrading is good for kids. Um, also, I think that, you know, we're in a world that now that will we'll no longer accept the traditional model um, where I think we've been able to, able to, um, you know, keep the status quo for the last however many years. I'm, it, it's been like that my entire um, teaching career and I'm in year 23. But I just don't think, I don't think our educational world, um, our customers, as it were, are, are, are going to accept that this model any longer. And so um, it's, been, it's been very, very good. Um, we have had a tremendous response across our board as well. For the last two years, I've done sort of a hybrid position where um, I, one of my teaching lines each semester was a, uh, a board position where I was one of nine de-streaming leads um, where we would collaborate with other teachers across our board with the implementation of the new curriculum for the grade nine, uh, grade nine program. And so we ended up, um, at the end of this year, there were nine of us and seven of us are ungrading. And, or sorry, eight of us are on grading. And I don't know, I, I would say I've probably met with 30 or 40 um, teachers across the district just this last year who are who are now on grading in some capacity in our board. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Um, so that that starts to answer my question. I was going to ask how your, your your colleagues were reacting. How did the press get involved? Um, Twitter. So as that, that okay. yeah. So that um, de-streaming lead position that I just mentioned, I felt that. So if you look at my Twitter prior to a year and a half ago, I think it was two thousand and nine or eleven or something, where um, you see you see Twitter activity from me. And that was from an international field trip that we were asked to, um, to tweet about. And our board was, was publicizing it. It was a Vimy Ridge trip. And then you see nothing from me until um, a, a year and a half ago. And the reason I became active was because of this board role that I had. I felt like um, a part of that because I was representing the, in a board capacity that, that that is something that I ought to do um, because I'm working as part of a, a larger group rather than just in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was, I was tweeting about what my English partner and I were doing, uh, a lot. We were tweeting. And then when I, when I fell into the ungrading, it naturally, um, that followed and that's when it got, it got picked up. Um, and I got contacted by, um, a reporter from the star, okay. um, who was interested in having a, a conversation. And that's kind of how, how it all started snowballing. And then it was just reporter after reporter. Cause I was checking, they're not all written by the same person. It's not like this was uh, on the wire and then just picked up. Yeah. I think it was a slow news news month, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pandemic or something. And yeah, it just, it just kind of like, it just, it had that snowball effect. And I think um, what I discovered happened was that for about a week, it was constant, people, you know, the, I did a few radio things and all the rest of it. And it was just, I think, I think that's how it works with the media. Not that I'm all, all savvy with the media, but it was just, oh, this is hot news right now. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, in the educational sphere here. Um, and so let's, let's pick it up. So, um, that's, I think how that happened. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, in, um, sort of following up with some of the uh, news articles, out, out of curiosity, I started, I, and I shouldn't have, I should have known better, but I did look at some of the comments on one of yeah. them in the Globe. And Did you read any of those? Um, I didn't. Surprised, but I'm sort, sort of a little bit surprised. Yeah, I some of them a long time ago, but then I've stopped. Re- I, I've stopped. And I mean, it, it, reasonably so. The, the research, the research is clearly, clearly on your side. But the, I was just curious as to, as to, right, it leads into the question of how you address skeptics, right? Uh, and they, I, for me, it, there, I think there are two kinds of skeptics. The kind who, who leave comments on a, a Globe and Mail uh, news piece saying, oh, yes, I, I, think, I think the one that, for whatever reason, the one that uh, keeps coming back to me is somebody who said something about uh, not wanting an engineer who didn't have any grades uh, constructing the bridge that I'm crossing. Uh, and uh, but it also makes me think of some colleagues that I speak to, who are, and and to be sure, I think of my colleagues the same way I think of my students in the sense that they've been educated in this way of doing things forever, even longer than my students. So I'm not surprised that there's a certain amount of denial. But when you present the evidence of how unreliable grading is, for example, they respond. By saying, well, I, I believe it. I believe the research, but I know what I'm doing. I can be objective. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's a point at which you've got to ask yourself, well, how do I respond to this? 
So how do you respond to skeptics, whether you want to talk about um, sort of more general public or colleagues? So I, I think I can make just a, a general comment about the general public. Um, what I think there is a lot of that is coming from a lack of understanding um, because I think the perception is, well, and you can see it in the comments, the perception is that, oh, the race to the bottom and, you know, oh, you know, the, let's make, let's make it, it, the idea of giving the, the ribbon for part participation, right? And that there's no rigor, there's no anything. Um, if you see what goes on in these classrooms, um, these students are doing a whole lot of work and it is not easy work, um, and so I think that it comes from most, most of it, I think, comes from a place of a, a lack of understanding of, of what, what it is, which is totally understandable because yeah. I have colleagues who, and half the time I don't understand it myself, you know, I'm, I'm getting better at it, but I didn't understand but it either. And the psychology and so, of motivation is just so counterintuitive that it, of course it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and so I kind of have, I kind of have a lot of grace for the, the lack of understanding there because they can't see inside, you know, the classroom and, and the process from a news article. Um, and, and so there, um, I think there are others who just, you know, they want to be keyboard warriors and that that's okay. That's um, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. So, and then a, a little story that I can tell you that might bridge the two between the public and, and the colleagues is I um, was reconnecting with my former principal, who's also, who is, who has become a very, very good friend over the last uh, 20 years. And so um, I was over at her place for, for lunch last week and she always, you know, never wants to talk about herself. And she always just wants it. So what is going on? What is going on? And tell me what's new and all this, this sort of thing. And she actually, I can credit her with um, me being where literally where I am in terms of my pedagogy um, today, because she, she was the one that set us on the path of really understanding um, how important assessment evaluation was way back in 2008, I think. Um, so, so we were talking about on grading. And she, she kind of, kind of looked at me and she's been retired 11 years now. Um, and so she's, she's really out of, out of what's going on in terms of, you know, up to the minute stuff and, and, and specifically what we're doing or I'm doing in the classroom. So anyway, um, we started talking about ungrading and she looked at me sort of quizzically and, and went, Hmm. And I said, go grab your, go grab your computer. And so she did. And I pulled up some of the student portfolios for her mm -hmm. and, she just started, she just started looking through them and she, she looked at me and she said, wow, she said, you've convinced me. And she said, when you first started talking about it, I thought, this is insanity. Mm -hmm. This, what are you doing? And she said, but the metacognitive um, aspects or demands of this and the absolute learning that you can see and then the, the, the product in terms of the creativity and the expression, um, she said, if I were in the classroom, 1000%, she said, I would be, I would be ungrading. And so I think, um, I think with the colleagues, I sort of, I'm not, I'm not on a crusade, um, to convince anybody who doesn't want to be convinced of anything. 
Um, I'm happy to have conversations. I've had lots of conversations with colleagues, um, one of whom I work quite closely with um, and have a lot of respect for, who still has, she is very open to the idea. Um, She understands it. And, you know, rationally, she says, this is a good thing and I can see it. But she's still at the point where she goes, I just don't understand how to make it work in my discipline. And I, you know, I'm like, fair enough. And so, you know, she continues to come back and, but she's still skeptical of, you know, the process of how it will work for her. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I have other teachers who have, who don't, don't subscribe to it. Um, and I don't really engage. I'm like, okay, (laughs) um, I guess I'm of, I guess I'm of the mindset that, um, you know, it's sort of that grassroots movement that creates the, the, the tsunami. Um, and I, and I think, you know, colleague to colleague is the way to go to effect the initial Mm -hmm. change. Um, but then I think a lot of, a lot of hesitation still comes from the fact that we have so many restrictions on us. And so I still have to work. We still have to work within the system mm-hmm. that is actively harmful <laughs> and, and works against um, the, the, the progressive system that we're trying to, to implement. Um, but I think it's worth in the end for me, it's worth it. And, you know, you just, just have to keep, keep on and, and trying to work within the confines of what we can control Mm-hmm. And what we can't um, just have to accept because we don't have the control to change those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, uh, but not a lot. What what um, uh, what was the thing that surprised you most that you learned that you weren't expecting when you first started? So, if I from the students. From a like from a student perspective, um, I guess just how much of a difference it made in for no for them in them and for them in terms of what it did to the classroom environment um, because we became a place of collaboration um, willingly uh, on their part. Uh, because when we removed the competitive aspect, um, then they ask and they work with each other in a genuine way mm-hmm. um, because they don't have to compete against each other for grades. Mm-hmm. And so they will ask each other, they will bounce ideas off each other. They will ask each other to um, look over their work. They will say, do you have suggestions? And then just the celebration um, of each other and of their work is surprising in the sense of how quickly it happens because it just becomes such a a nicer atmosphere to be in for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, we're popping. It's like popcorn kernels in, in the oil. In terms of what you're describing, it's it's funny uh, because I can see why um, uh, you know the, the 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 public would would view this as um, a bit of I don't know, let's say a fluffy way of doing education. But at the same time, what you're describing is precisely 
uh, working at a high level in a job, right? The ability to oversee your own work, oversee others, give constructive feedback. It's it's amazing that what you're describing is is um, is true rigor once it's been divorced from the the numbers. So we, you were going to follow up with something you learned about yourself. Is that what? Uh... Yeah. So what I learned is that I was. Um, and probably still am, but, uh, but much less. So I didn't realize for the first year that, um, everything I was doing was as a result of trying to justify, um, the system, Mm -hmm. the traditional system. Um, and I alluded, or I mentioned earlier about how I pulled out the curriculum and the kids became curriculum experts. And, um, you know, we had, this is how you have to do the things and, you know, oral communication strand. 1.2. This is, it, it, you know, it was the killjoy, yes, but also um, I had set up the ungrading model in order to justify me ungrading, and I and I had done that unconsciously, and I didn't realize that until a year in, um, until last February, and so that was that was the biggest learning for me was understanding that I was operating under the same. It, I wouldn't say it was fear, but I really thought that I was ungrading, mm-hmm. but I really, I really wasn't not, mm-hmm. not at all. And so that was the biggest learning for me. And that's when those four broader four, um, four goals became the cornerstone of the courses. And so I've only had that for one semester, two semesters, two semesters, I think. Um, and that that's worked much better because we're focusing on learning instead of j- focusing on justifying the grade that the students are going to pitch rather than me um, as I was doing formerly was always justifying the grade I knew I was going to put on the paper. Uh-huh. And that was a huge, actually that's probably the biggest epiphany I've ever had. And that was just this last semester is that when I was giving feedback, um, yes, this is the one, I mean, what I said is really important, but this is the one. So when I was giving feedback up until this past year, I was always giving feedback from a deficit um, standpoint because I was, oh, you did a really good job of this, 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 but, Mm -hmm. and then I would pick it apart because it was always what you've done wrong Mm -hmm. and what to justify the grade that you're getting Mm -hmm. that I'm going to put on it. And so even when I started ungrading, I was still doing the feedback from that in that way because I had, um, I knew no other way. I didn't know that I was doing that for 22 years. And so I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't come at it from a deficit based and students remark on that. They, they say that they keep waiting in the beginning. They keep waiting for me to um, say all the things that are wrong. And they're surprised when I talk about um the, the things that are really positive and then give them next steps, mm-hmm. but they're more suggestions rather than thou shalt. Sure. 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 The, uh, I, I, I had some similar moments this last year, not the exact same. Uh, I like that way of putting it from coming at it from a deficit. There were moments of, uh, there were moments of me losing my end of the trust uh, arrangement where mm-hmm. I kept thinking, you know, you're not doing this the way that I want you to do this. And then I had to stop and, and slow myself down again and say, but that doesn't matter. That That's not what this is about. That's not how learning happens. 
Interesting. Um, if you uh, if you um, if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, look, I I I want to move in the direction of ungrading. I, I need your help." What would be the like? What's the one major piece of advice? The one thing above everything else. I'm sure you would have 20 different things to say, but what would be the one thing on top of everything? Uh, know your why, because um, if I don't know my why. I get one <laughs> M&M reference here. I, yeah. I get the one shot, right? Um, and earlier, it's like asking students, we are asking students to jump off the cliff. We absolutely are. Um, and in my case, I, I'm pushing them off, pushing them off. Um, eventually, they, they accept it. But um, if we are going to ask our students to take that level of risk to abandon everything that they've ever known and still have to maneuver in, um, we need to make sure that they understand the why, which means that I need to create that trust in those relationships um, that the students will trust me, mm -hmm. that I have, I have them. Um, and if I don't understand my why, and be able to, and I can't articulate that as to why I am ungrading, they're not going to be able to take that leap. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that I think, well, it, it just wouldn't be successful and I, and it would be counterproductive because what I'm trying to do is, is to, um, is to encourage um, the trust in the relationships and the collaboration. So that's what I would say. Um, I, I do tell teachers, don't jump, don't do what I did. Um, it, make sure you know from the beginning to the end, um, you know, the whole backwards designing, have it. Okay. UBD, UBD is, is a thing that I have long um, adhered to. And I think we really need to know those that that end point in order to be able to articulate it to the to the students beforehand. Otherwise, um, I think we're doing them a disservice and setting them up um, for failure. Well, so you know what the next question is then. What is your why? So my why is that I think I'm having an existential um, pedagogical you know, crises in the last couple of years. And I've always hated grading. I didn't know why. Um, I just knew I always hated it. It, it hurt. It was hard to do. Um, I, you know, 80, 83, what's it? I don't know. Um, you know, kids, I think mental health, um, has always been an issue, but in particular, it's, it's really become a concern. Um, just everything, nothing's fun in, in school. And I, I think, so our focus in Ontario right now, our government is really focused on skills and back to the basics. And I have never believed that the purpose of education, the end goal is skill acquisition. I feel like skills, the skills develop as a result of on the journey to the end destination, which for me is the joy in learning and the the fostering of 
you know, intellect and curiosity, because why learn if we're not engaged in the learning and, and to be productive in a societal sense? Yes. Um, from an individual standpoint? Yes. But I think the joy and love of learning is the thing that's going to carry us all through, see, existential crisis, um, carry us all through. And you can't help but, um, you can't help but acquire the skills, those back to basics and the, you know, the, the skill set that we need to be successful in the capitalistic <laughs> society. Um, but I don't think that ought to be the end goal. And so my why is we need to foster learning for learning's sake rather than um, learning for serving the aims of society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have a thousand follow-up questions, but uh, um, I, I do have to, to, to get ready for another meeting. Um, but hopefully we'll get the chance to follow up on some of those follow-up questions. Have you, um, uh, just out of curiosity, have you listened to the Sold, uh, Sold a Story podcast? I have. You have. I would love to talk to you about that at some point. I'm, I'm very interested in, in I, I, I recommended it to all my students. Just as, as an example of, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if we share an opinion here. I assume we do, but I don't want to assume too much that, that it's a terrible, terrible uh, podcast compared to some other great ones, uh, uh, Nice White Parents, um, Teaching Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would love to talk to you about that because it, it touches on a lot of, of what you were just describing about back to basics and, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, obviously uh, not right now. Stacy Oliver, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, if people want to find you, do you want, do you want to give your Twitter handle? Sure. Um, I'm at Stacy Oliver 100, and that's where I spend most of my time on Twitter. I don't really know what I'm doing, so I'm making this up as I go along. Um, Welcome to my life. I mean, yes, fair enough. Isn't that really everybody's life? It's just some of us are, are better at pretending. As always, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please consider sharing with friends, colleagues, students, teachers. If you have an idea for an episode or an idea for an interview, please send me a message at yourschoolisfingu at gmail.com. Intro and outro music is Don't Let It Rain by Ole Savannah.
Such a shame.